This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are not a wordless God but you are a God who has revealed yourself in your word, and your word strengthens us, your word gives us life, your word directs us. And so do those things for us this morning, we pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew, we're gonna, really gonna start here. This section really starts with the last verse of the last chapter, so I'm gonna read that first, okay? Chapter eight, verse 34. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. Now we'll move on to chapter 9. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house, And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So this is a new section here. And as we said, it began here in this last chapter. And by doing that, by starting in the last verse of the last chapter, we see what is really a tragedy of what happened. The Lord had just done a wonderful miracle for these gathering people in chapter 8 as they had this man who was possessed with devils, more than one, and he had terrorized the whole town, and the Lord had completely delivered this poor poor person here, poor soul, and now he's in his right mind. 
But in the process, the devils left the man, they entered into a herd of pigs, and they destroyed the pigs. And as a result, the people of that city of the Gadarenes begged the Lord to just leave, just please go. The people chose swine over the Savior. And just like a little foretaste of what's gonna happen here, when the people will choose a murderer and a thief, Barabbas, over the Lord Jesus, who's the Prince of Life. So this is what makes it so tragic, is this last verse in chapter eight, when it says, they besought him that he would leave their coasts. Those words are so tragic because it's exactly what people do today. They're banishing the Lord from their hearts. They don't want the Lord in their lives. They want, verse 34, they would rather he depart out of their coasts. Just like the parable that the Lord told in Luke chapter 19, verse 14. Luke 19, 14, when the Lord said, told this parable, and he said, his citizens hated him, sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Those Gadarenes were saying that. We will not have this man. They wanted to leave. And the tragedy is, the tragedy is, is that in all of the Gospels, we never read that he came back to them again. He never returned again. It was their golden opportunity. It was their opportunity for eternity. And they said no. And that's the tragedy today with people. They ask God to leave. And he never comes back. That's like when Larry King asked uh, Billy Graham's daughter, Ruth Graham, and he asked her, he said, where was God on 9-11? And she replied, God was exactly where we asked him to be. We wanted him to leave our schools. We wanted to leave our country. We wanted him to leave our courts. We wanted to leave our government. And he said, okay, and he did. And for the many, many people who have gotten my book, the change changed, I can see clearly in those responses, such an anger against God, such a, I'm so tired of God, such a, I'm so offended that someone would mail me a book about God. They're just like the Gadarenes who asked God to leave, and I'm afraid that God has taken them at their word and has agreed and has left. And when we see that, our prayer for those people is the hymn Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And if a lost person wants the Lord to leave, and he wants to leave the Lord, if he wants to leave, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7.15, 1 Corinthians 7.15, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Now, it's interesting in history that when the Romans started their bloody wars under Titus against Israel, that they started, their first city was this city. It was the city of the Gadarenes. And we can imagine that just like Larry King asked Ruth Graham, we can imagine those Gadarenes asking when those wars started and their city was besieged by the Romans, and they said, where was God when the Romans destroyed us? And just like Billy Graham's daughter, then the answer was, God is just where you asked him to be in the end of this chapter 8, verse 34. They besought him that he would depart out of their coast. So now chapter 9, 
verse one opens with the Lord leaving the Gadarenes and coming to what's called his own city. So the contrast between these two places is just remarkable. On one side of the lake, the Gadarenes rejected him and they wanted him to leave. And on the other side of the lake, in the city of Capernaum, they wanted him and they wanted him to stay there. This shows that the Lord will not stay long when he's not welcome, but he'll stay forever to a person who welcomes him and craves his presence. Now, it's interesting in verse one because it says there in verse one that he comes to a place which is called his own city. Now, you might think when it says his own city, what's the first city that comes to your mind? What is it? It's Nazareth. It's where he was grew up, right? That's his own city. But this is not referring to Nazareth. This, as I said, is referring to the city of Capernaum because now Capernaum has become his own city. And uh, Nazareth is no longer his own city. So what happened? What happened to Nazareth? Why is Nazareth no longer called his own city? Nazareth fell from being the Lord's own city. Capernaum was elevated to being his own city. And the reason Nazareth was no longer his own city is because of what we're going to find out in Matthew 13, 54. Matthew 13, 54, when it says, when he was coming to his own country, that's Nazareth, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. That's it. It was their unbelief that the city of Nazareth had because they said, Don't we know his father? Reminds me of one time when I was in the desert with Pastor Jim, and there was a group of Orthodox rabbis walking around there, and I said to Jim, stop the car. I want to go talk to him. And Jim said, are you sure you want to do that? I said, yes. So we stopped the car. I went running up to them. I was so eager. I was a new believer, and oh, I go running up to them, and I said, oh, you know, the prophecies, and Jesus died for our sins, and I would just, I presented about a a few minutes sermon there, power-packed sermon. I was very convinced myself, but I remember the rabbis started to stroke their beards, you know, they all have beards, started to stroke their beards and, and, and tilted their head up and looked down at me through their glasses like this. And they said, I, I, I didn't catch it. Uh, which yeshiva did you go to? <laughs> What's their response? Which yeshiva was it that you went to? I didn't catch the name. And I was so mad. And I went back to the car and I slammed the door. And Jim said, how'd it go? And I said, don't ask. <laughs> it was so bad. Don't we know his father? You know, the lowly carpenter over there? Don't we know his brothers? You know those ones. You know, don't we know his sisters? Oh, no. That was Nazareth. That was unbelief. 
And they fell as a result of being called his own city and now Capernaum. Because Capernaum couldn't get enough of the Lord. And therefore, they got the title, his own city. Now, as soon as the Lord arrived by ship in Capernaum, we read in verse two, behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Now, this account here of the healing of the paralyzed man called the man of palsy, the paralyzed man, is recorded in the other gospels of Mark and Luke. And from those accounts, it's valuable for us to look at it because we can get a more full picture of what happened. So when we look at Mark 2, in the first four verses of Mark 2, we read in Mark 2, 1, again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. So you get the picture here. Very crowded around the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lie. Now that's valuable information. And that's basically telling us it was a jam-packed meeting where people were jammed up against the door. No way you were gonna squeeze your way through that door. Now we look at Luke 5.17. Luke 5.17 for the other information where it says it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of law sitting by which came out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them and behold, men brought in a bed, a man who was taken a palsy and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him, and when they, they, they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up upon that roof housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst of before Jesus. So what we get from Luke is that people were coming from all over every town in Galilee, all over Judea, even Jerusalem, which is quite a long ways away. And these four men that we learned about in Mark 2, they tried to get in the door and they couldn't. And so they made their way up to the housetop and they took off the tiling. We get very specific about what they took off. The roof, they took it apart. So the scene is quite dramatic from what we learned from all these accounts. And first of all, the Lord's in just one house. He's not in an auditorium. And the people come from all over the place, and there were specifically, as it calls out here in Luke 5, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law, if you will. And they're all crowded in there, and there's no spare place. And so, and then this group, this is a group, now the four men, each one carrying a corner of the bed. They're carrying four corners, they're carrying the bed, and they've got a man on there who's totally paralyzed. He probably couldn't even talk. And this man is very disabled. There's no way that he himself could get to the Lord by himself. And these friends were great friends. They were great friends. They were loyal. They all agreed they're going to carry this disabled man to the Lord where he could be healed. Those are great friends, great friends. They're going to take their place in the hall of great friends along with the centurion, who was a great friend, 
to his servant who came to the Lord for, sent people to the Lord so he could be healed, the servant. Great friends, great friends. The mother-in-law of, of Peter was also uh, disabled. She was feverish. She could not get off her bed. Great friends went to get the Lord for her. We are great friends when we go and bring others to the Lord in prayer or in person. That's a great friend. And they want to set, these great friends want to set the man it directly in front of the Lord, and they can't do it, and these great friends see the obstacle, and they, they say, okay, what's plan B, fellas? And one of them says, roof, off they go, up to the top there, top of the rooftop, careful calculation, where do you think he is under this roof? Oh, he's gotta be here, that's the spot, okay. Off the tiles go, off the roof comes apart, then people say, what are you doing to my roof? Never mind, more important. And you can imagine, can you imagine when they take off that last tile and look down, oh, we did it right there, he is right down there. Don't drop the tile on him. All right. And then they get the four ropes, attach it to the rope to every corner, carefully lower the bed with the paralyzed man down in front there and the man lands, the paralyzed man lands right in front of the Lord. Wow, that's wonderful. Now, when the Lord saw this sight, his primary focus was not on the condition of the paralyzed man. That's not what he saw talked about in verse two. It says, it doesn't say, and Jesus seeing the paralyzed man. It says, and Jesus seeing their faith. So the Lord just, just looked at the paralyzed man on the road below, but he also looked up at those four men up there holding the ropes, and he sees faith. He sees faith. He sees faith of the paralyzed man, of course. But the Lord sees the faith of the four men up there holding the ropes. And what kind of faith does he see? Does the Lord see? Well, first of all, the Lord sees an active faith. It's not a passive faith. It's an active faith. Those men went to a lot of work to bring their friend to the house. And those four men went to a lot of work to not be willing to give up when there was a big crowd there, they did not say, oh, well, you know, there's no way, sir, let's know you another day. No, they went to a lot of work when they went up on the roof, when they took the roof apart, when they, that was an active faith that saw no obstacles, and that's what active faith does. Active faith does not see obstacles, it sees challenges that will be overcome. Laughs, faith, mighty faith. The promise sees the promises of God, laughs at the possibilities in Christ, it shall be done. That's what they did. And because they had a faith with works, it was an act of faith, as James 2.14 puts it, James 2.14. What doth it profit, you four men? What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? What doth it profit if you believe that the Lord can heal this person if you don't get up on the roof and take those tiles off? Is he gonna be healed just because of your faith with no works on your, no. James 2.17, James 2.17, even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. You can say to those four men, your faith is dead. You will not get the healing of your friend unless you have the works to do it. Faith without works, James 2.20, faith without works is dead. Many verses in James 2 about that. Okay. Now, this was not 
for this people, these four men, this was not just a, hey guys, let's bring our paralyzed friend to see if Jesus can heal him. This was not an experiment for them. It was an expectation. They knew their friend would be healed. And we can imagine them talking to their, can you imagine them talking to their paralyzed friend as they're going down? I don't know what his name was. Maybe it was Ralph. Ralph, you're going to be healed. Ralph, today's the last day you're going to be paralyzed. Ralph, you're going to we're no longer going to be carried around. That's the kind of faith those four men had. That's the kind of faith that the leper and the centurion had as well. It's not like if you can do it, do it. But it was like, we know you can do it. The leper had the faith of the Lord's ability. He said in Mark 8.2, in the previous chapter, behold, there came a leper, worshiped him and saying, if thou wilt, not if thou can, but if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Thou canst. The leper wasn't sure the Lord was willing, but the centurion was sure of the Lord's ability and of his willingness, for he said, in the previous chapter, the, the centurion said about a servant, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, he goeth. To another, come, he cometh. To my servant, do this, he doeth it. He said, I know you can do this. I know you've got servants that can't be seen that'll do this. So the Lord not only saw an active faith on the part of these men, he also saw a humble faith. This was a humble faith. I mean, those men didn't say, well, somebody asked the Lord to come over to this house here and heal our, our friend. No, no. They said, we're gonna bring our friend to the Lord. That's humility. And he not only saw a humble faith, he not only saw an active faith, he saw a simple faith, a simple faith. Their request of those four men was no words. They didn't say, hey, Lord, can you heal our friend down there? Or up there, yeah. He didn't say that. They didn't say anything, as a matter of fact. They didn't need to speak because their actions spoke it all. What they did spoke it all. They just lowered the man in front of the Lord, and that's all they had to say. And then when the Lord looked up, he saw this anticipation, this expectation, this confidence that the Lord was going to heal their friend, the happiness. Now, the Lord goes to reward their faith in a very wonderful way. He turns to a man, the paralyzed man in verse 2, and said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. So first of all, the Lord addresses this paralyzed man with the title of son. That's wonderful. It's like saying child. Reminds me of my five-year-old grandson, Colton, with leukemia, who came over to the house for dinner on Friday, last Friday night, a couple days ago. And I was watching him, and he just would run to his mom and bury his head in her side and wrap his arms around his mom. Why? Comfort, comfort. It's kind of like this, a very tender thing when the Lord calls this man son. It's a very tender address. It's really an address of assurance. Son, as a father would not deny a son, I'm gonna give this son is assurance. Just like the thief on the cross who was in desperate need of assurance. He knew he was gonna die. He wasn't worried about dying. He was worried about what's gonna happen to him after he dies. He wants the Lord, can you just remember me? Remember me when you get to your kingdom? And the Lord, in a, such a very tender way, same way, from the cross said in Luke 23, 43, Jesus, Luke 23, 43, Jesus saith, said to him, verily I say unto thee, today 
Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.